Hi and welcome to this edition of the Property Pod. Today we're going to be discussing employment tribunals. This is a bit of a different take for what we normally do. Normally it's about property, but in At Wells we have many departments, one of which is the employment department. So as I normally do at the start of these um, videos, please do like and subscribe to our channel. We're working really hard to produce great content here and to um, break down the barriers really to law and the terminology used so you can better understand what help and advice you may need going forward. As I said, this um, podcast is all about employment tribunals, so I'm going to hand you over to our employment team, let them introduce themselves, and we'll go from there. Uh, hi, Joe. Thanks for having us. Uh, first and foremost, my name is Lloyd, Lloyd Clark. Uh, I head up the employment law department at Atwells. Uh, I'm also a partner of Atwells, uh, and I work with Jamie. Jamie, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. My name is Jamie. Uh, I work alongside Lloyd. I've had the pleasure of doing so for the last four years now. Uh, and I'm Lloyd's paralegal. Cool, excellent. Okay, so um, we're just going to have a conversation like we normally do, same sort of format, um, just talking about employment tribunals and more so how they relate to small and medium-sized businesses. So can you tell us, first of all, like I normally do, um, we always ask a little bit about the cost and the company or the person. So can you tell us a little bit more about your department? Uh, yeah, so the employment law department at Wells, um, it's a small but probably I'd say an effective uh, department We've experienced sort of sustained growth uh, in terms of the last few years. So, for instance, last year uh, we achieved 10% growth, which is is very good. From my perspective, we pride ourselves on making sure that we deliver excellent client care. Uh, that's first and foremost. And a lot of our clients are clients that have been with us uh, for a number of years. You know, some in some instances up to 10 years. Um, the majority of our work. Uh, is generated via personal goodwill and personal recommendation as well. Um, in terms of what clients value or, or appreciate from us, um, I'd probably say three things. It's the communicative approach that, that we give to people. Um, we try not to talk to them in a complicated or, or using legalese. We try to use plain English wherever possible. Um, we would consider ourselves as tenacious in terms of the approach that we take um, towards disputes for our clients and we always try and put their case forward as strongly as possible uh, and lastly uh, attention to detail I think is something that our clients value um, we, we, we consider ourselves quite sharp uh, in that regard and we don't tend to miss a lot so um, yeah that's probably my, my sort of summation of, the, of our department. I think that could, that could be sort of demonstrated by the notes that we will have here. We normally I have a little bit of paper and I'm reading off, but he uh, they provided loads of notes here today. So I think mean, that's very, very well demonstrated. So my second question here is, um, what is an employment tribunal? So from my perspective, if I wasn't working in a law firm, I would have no idea. So can you explain it sort of quite clearly and plainly, please? Yeah, no, of course. Um, an employment tribunal uh, was pre the employment tribunals were previously known until 1998 to be uh, an in as an industrial tribunal. Uh, employment tribunals deal with employment related disputes between an employee or a worker uh, and their employer. Um, so some examples of the sort of claims that you would get at employment tribunal would be things such as unfair dismissal, uh, discrimination, uh, redundancy payments, those sorts of things are the sort of day to day things that they deal with. Um, in terms of unfair dismissal, an employment tribunal has the power to award up to £100,000 uh, for an unfair dismissal claim. And with discrimination, compensation can ultimately be unlimited. So, for instance, last year we saw some awards where uh, claimants, that's generally an employee, uh, were awarded sums in the region of quarter of a million pound. So mm -hmm. 
they can be substantial payouts. Um, an employer is often referred to as a respondent in employment tribunal proceedings. So generally, an employee will be the claimant and an employer will be the respondent. Mm-hmm. Um, when an employment tribunal sits, so they, they hear a case uh, for an unfair dismissal case, uh, they usually just have a judge that sits alone uh, in an employment tribunal, which is often a court more so, uh, which is often an office in an office mm-hmm. um, uh, rather than an actual court building like a magistrate's court that some people yeah. might have been to before. With respect to discrimination claims, that's usually how, uh, heard by a panel of three people. So you'll have a judge who sits alongside two okay. members and they call that a full panel. Okay, so it's it's sort of still similar to what you would imagine in your mind, but it may be a bit more relaxed. Yes. Okay, that's that's good. I think that would be that would be a sort of a scary prospect for most people. Um, so, who are members? So, the employment tribunal members are specialist non-legal experts. So, there's two members. One of the members uh, will give the employee's perspective. So, that's usually trade union representative or the second will be for an employer so such as a hr professional so they sit alongside the judge um, they will then all three will review the evidence and then come to the decision together okay so it just gives you like a balanced overview then for the judge really yeah it provides both sides, a balance for yeah. both sides for the employee and the employer that sounds a lot like my house when i have a balanced view from <laughs> the latest argument <laughs> okay cool so my next question is what should an employer do if they receive an employment tribunal claim Uh, That's an excellent question. So most importantly, don't ignore it. Um, That really is the most fatal mistake that an employer can make. Um, First tip of three, I would say the most important ones. First tip is to make sure that you diarise the date by which you have to respond. So on the covering letter from the employment tribunal, because by this stage a claimant's gone through ACAS early conciliation, They've then issued a claim in the employment tribunal. The tribunals receive that claim form and then they've sent it out to the employer to respond to it. Uh, There will be a date on that covering letter called the notice of claim by which they have to respond to the claim. That's usually 28 days from the date the letter was sent out to the employer. Um, Luckily, as I said, it will be in the covering letter, the notice of claim, so you won't need to calculate that date yourself etch that date into your mind. It's incredibly important. Um, If an employer fails to respond in time or fails to respond at all, the employment tribunal can issue what's called a default judgment. And that means essentially that the claimant, the employee, will be successful in their claim and the employer will have to pay the compensation that's claimed and they won't be able to take part a huge deal in the claim. It will be up to the employment tribunal as to how much involvement the respondent, the employer in that instance, Uh, has in the claim going forward Um, my second tip would be gather all the facts so look through the claim form see what uh, issues you take contention with things that you think are not true how you're going to rebut or challenge that version of events get your documents in order if they're referring to a disciplinary hearing for instance get the minutes from that disciplinary hearing speak to any staff members that are involved in the facts uh, or have been even named in the claim form Memories fade over time. It's no good getting this information in six, nine months' time. People will forget. There'll be plenty of other circumstances that will arise subsequently that uh, will take people's attention off of this. So it really is important to make sure um, that you get all the information, all the documents, everything in place as soon as possible. And that will also allow you to respond to the claim as best as possible. Uh, Last one, and probably everyone's going to expect me to say this, is get a good employment lawyer. (laughs) Um, Most certainly. So... um, What I mean by get a good employment lawyer, uh, a few things. Get an employment law specialist. So get someone who does employment law day in, day out. 
Um, I've tend to found from my experience those people that specialise in employment generally are more capable. Secondly, people are always cost sensitive and that's understandable and they probably worry more so than anything else when they're instructing a lawyer as to how much it's going to cost and they're going to get a surprise bill. Try and get a lawyer with fixed fees. So agree in advance what the cost of responding to the claim and any other work is going to be so that you know from day one how much that's going to, how much that's going to uh, cost. Last tip would be find a lawyer who's got some good reviews. So what I mean by reviews is not just on their website, but if there's any uh, independent review bodies such as FIFO, TripAdvisor, anything like that. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't be TripAdvisor, would it? No, but I know, we know what you mean. It would be, yeah, uh, it, 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 it would, it would be something similar to that. Yes, so you've got an Google. independent review yeah. body so that it's not just something which is appearing on a yeah. solicitor's website. But, That's um, but yeah, so that you know that their, their client care, the, the standard of their service yeah. is, is good. So those would be my three tips. So from our sort of point of view, doing my marketing bit here for Atwells, we have um, very high reviews on FIFO. Our culture office on Google is currently rated five stars. Um, I say currently like we're going to dip down. Um, hopefully we will remain at five stars. We're doing extremely well. Also as well, on our website, we have um, an employment portal. So if you were to instruct at Wells at the offset, you can send us documentation that you have. So you can scan us and send us the um, letter that you receive, but also any evidence. So if you've got any emails or if you've got any minutes from disciplinary hearings, um, employment contracts, all those type of things, you can send us multiple um, attachments. There's no limitation to sending us one. You can send us as many as you like and put a brief description about about what was happening and that will immediately get sent through to our employment department who deal with employment day in day out so that would be my little chip in there for that okay the next question is what kind of evidence does an employer need to defend a claim which we've kind of talked about but we'll go into a bit more depth yeah, I think it can vary from case to case, but generally speaking, what we'd be looking for is is letters, emails, text messages, uh, videos can be relevant as well. Um, it, it can be any documentation which is going to support uh, your version of events. So to give you some sort of practical data examples, the dismissal letter, uh, any appeal letter, a grievance letter. Um, it could be emails between yourself and your line manager. Uh, it could be things such as pay slips um, if you're an employer. Anything like that. Which it, the, the key factor is: is this relevant to the claim or not? That's really what a, a, an employee has to determine when they're bringing a claim, because that's what an employment tribunal will expect. They will only expect to see documents that are relevant to the claim. Mm-hmm. I've seen many judges get um, upset where parties flood the bundle with lots of lots of documents that probably don't need to be there um always try and think is this document relevant to to the issues in the case or not last thing you're going to want to do is upset the judge so (laughs) yeah okay and i guess from your perspective you'd be able to say no we don't need that one or that one's near yeah slimline it good fantastic um and what about if i'm because we've sort of talked a lot about the um employee making the claim but what happens if you know it's the other way around what evidence does an employee need to make a claim yeah i mean it's it's very much the same thing from from that perspective as well so um generally speaking when you have an employment tribunal dispute it will be the employer that will hold the vast majority of the documents Um, but as an employee obviously you will have more like more likely than not receive the dismissal letter um, you will have collated some evidence. Uh, I've seen instances where people have kept like a contemporaneous diary. Uh, they've kept emails. Uh, they've kept their letters. Um, 
text messages, emails, all those sorts of things that can be that can be relevant um, with any of the even voice notes and things like that I've seen before. So it really can vary. And again, it goes to that question of well, well what is relevant to, yeah. to, to the claim here? If it's a dismissal, obviously things such as, you know, how uh, how they come to that decision, disciplinary hearing minutes, stuff like that um, would be very helpful, I think, in terms of yeah. trying to, to prove or disprove someone's case. Okay. And could they also, in the same way, the employer can get um, staff members, could they get people who maybe work there as well to help corroborate their story? Yes, they could, yeah. And, and even at, at an early stage, such as when you've received the claim form, just getting asking people to do sort of an informal witness statement as such just to get their version of events is helpful because when it does come to the time six nine twelve months further down the line when we are at an employment tribunal final hearing having that to then go back on if it's still fresh in people's memory i find is is, is really helpful yeah yeah okay cool um okay so my next question is to jay can a claim be resolved prior to going to court yes absolutely joe so most of our claims will settle before we issue proceedings, before we go to court. And even after we've issued proceedings, a lot of claims will settle before we reach a final hearing. Um, the best opportunity for a claim to settle would usually be during ACAS. Yeah. So you have to go through ACAS in order to bring a claim through to the Employment Tribunal. So if you don't know what ACAS is, it's the Advisory Conciliation and Arbitration Service. Uh, it's a government body, uh, independent. You contact them, you'll be put through to a conciliator who will then try to settle the claim outside of court. If it doesn't work out, then you'll be issued with the certificate. You need that certificate to proceed to an employment tribunal. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I've had a little bit about ACAS. I don't know a great deal about it, only that they give advice, <laughs> quite yes, good advice. Yeah. So it's basically like um, phoning up for like, like you're speaking to a customer advisor who's really knowledgeable about, about law. So it's normally a phone call. So don't be deterred by that. It's just another person. Um, it's same when you're talking to a solicitor just try and get your case across briefly try and take the emotion out of the argument I know these things can be quite emotive but if you can stick to the facts try and keep it brief and keep points um, and they'll be able to help you better that way that's sort of what I found my mum had an issue she was very emotive about it and it was about the emotions like that doesn't matter <laughs> as much as it sounds harsh it doesn't matter so you need to put that to one side Okay, my next question is how do, how does it take how long does it take for a claim um, to end up in a final hearing? Okay, so uh, that will largely depend on what sort of claim it is. So probably the two most common types of claim that you have in an employment tribunal are those dealing with unfair dismissal uh, and discrimination. In normal times, we're not in normal yeah. times, as everyone that's listening to this podcast <laughs> probably realises. Um, being in the being in the, well, I'd like to think the aftermath of the pandemic now, but having gone through that the last sort of 15, 16 months, uh, in normal times for an unfair dismissal claim, you'd be looking at between three and six months from when you first issue your claim in the employment tribunal to the final hearing. Uh, for a discrimination claim in normal times, again, it would be between six and nine months. Um, obviously, because of the pandemic. Those timescales have stretched, so uh, I'm seeing unfair dismissal claims now probably taking six to nine months plus, uh, discrimination claims taking nine to 12 months plus. Um, I know looking at the statistics that uh, lawyers are reporting that around 40% of employment tribunal claims that were issued a year ago have still not been heard at the final hearing. So like all the other um, you know, county courts and things like that, employment tribunals are suffering as a result of the pandemic. Um, and although they have made use of technology in terms of video hearings, um, there is still a backlog there, unfortunately, and, and that has a knock-on effect in how quickly people can access justice. But 
hopefully now we're coming out the other side of it um, and those sort of uh, those sort of issues will, will recede yeah fingers yeah definitely crossed. fingers yeah. crossed we're, we're, we're at the forefront of coming to some kind of normal I'm not sure what normal is anymore mm. but well, <laughs> hopefully so the next thing for me and this is how I'd kind of feel if, if I was an apply or an apply actually is I'd be concerned of what it's like going to court so We've not been able to come to a decision and I've got to go to court. That would terrify me. What is it like going to court? Of course, yeah. A lot of people do get scared and uh, it is most often the fear of going is worse than the actual experience. But going to court is nothing like going to a Crown Court um, for criminal proceedings. Um, as much as it is still a formal process um, and it is a legal court, uh, there's no wigs or gowns in sight. So uh, as much as you will sit in front of a judge, uh, and it could be a public unless the judge orders otherwise, uh, it's not as scary as going to Crown Court. That sounds quite good. Yeah, it should, it, it should be quite more relaxing than, than going there. Yeah, okay, so no wigs and no... No, no wigs they, or gowns. What are those things called? Mallet gavel. Thing? Gavel. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. See, my, my, my area of law hammer mm. thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's all right. Um, and the other question I have here is, do Atwells do no win, no fee, which is quite popular, especially if you've lost your job and you're sort of struggling financially? Yeah, do you want to thank Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah, we do offer no win, no fee work. Um, I take on quite a bit of no win, no fee work from some of the uh, work we do alongside the Citizens Advice Bureaus. Um, genuinely, if we're going to do it, it has to be uh, good prospects um, because obviously we're taking on the risk if we're taking on no win, no fee work. But we do offer it in limited circumstances. Okay, well, that's always good to know. And yeah, again, just to reiterate, it has to be like a, obviously a good case. And we can give like a, some advice on that initial chat with you about your case, um, sort of without going into too much detail and sort of briefly understand where you stand. And that um, portal that I discussed earlier on, that's really useful to get your evidence across so the employment team can just review it. And even if it's like a polite, oh, sorry, we, we don't really feel this case has merit, at least you'll know that you know, they're not able to help with the no win, no fee. Obviously, hopefully, you're, you know, we can help you and that that would be great. But it's really good to get that from the offset so you're not wasting time. Um, we're quite efficient at getting back to people and our communication is relatively good. Yeah. I should add in there, uh, Joe, as well, that if we can't offer it on a no win, no fee, we do look to help clients, so we do fixed fee costs. Oh, and cool. obviously, if it is a client looking for no win, no fee, and we understand there might be some troubles there, then yeah. we'll always try to be as fair as possible with our mm -hmm. fixed fees. That's always good to know. There you go, a bit more, bit more clarity there. Um, and if I have a case, um, is my case is upheld, what happens next? So I've, I've effectively won, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then what what happens next? Lord, so, do you want to? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. take this one. So if you were to go to a final hearing, which is the hearing where the decision will be reached by the employment tribunal as to whether your claim, if you're a claimant, is successful or not. Um, if you're a claimant and an employer, an ex-employee, and your claim is successful. Um, the employment tribunal can order a number of sort of different remedies. So obviously, the most common one is compensation. Um, they can also order that your employer re-employs you either in in their business full stop, or in the exact role that you were dismissed from. Um, the amount of compensation that you would receive, because that's by far and away the most common uh, type of remedy. Uh, really depends on the type of claim you have. So as we discussed earlier, unfair dismissal claims uh, are somewhat limited by um, sort of legal restrictions in terms of how much you can claim and the maximum compensator award you can get uh, and the basic award. 
with discrimination, it can obviously be unlimited, uh, yeah. and therefore you can potentially receive uh, receive more money there. Um, a lot of it is based also on how much you've lost. So, for instance, if you've lost your job, uh, you've tried to find uh, alternative employment, so another job, and you haven't been successful in doing that, uh, and you've suffered loss loss of earnings for say six months, then that would form part of the tribunal's thinking about how much compensation you receive, um, and some of it as well, especially around things like a redundancy payment. Uh, they can be they can relate to your age, so your age, how long you've been employed, uh, and what your salary is as well. So there's a number of different factors that the employment tribunal will will use come into that. Um, once the judgment is issued. Uh, the respondent, the employer, uh, who's lost the case, they will be given uh, a time limit by which yeah. to uh, to pay that sum. If they don't pay that sum, uh, the options that are available to uh, a claimant, subject to the employer not appealing the decision, uh, which is in itself relatively rare, uh, they would be able, firstly, to uh, enforce it in the county court. So an employment tribunal in itself doesn't have what they call powers of enforcement. Okay. So they can give the judgment, but they can't per se enforce that so what you would have to do is you would have to go to the county court and pay a fee of 66 pound uh, whereby there's a fast track system uh, whereby a bailiff uh, or, or a high court enforcement officer as they're probably more technical term um, they can try and enforce that debt so that okay. the judgment debt um, another option that's available to employees as well is um, they can contact BEIS, which is okay. government department, uh, and they can uh, they have a process which is called naming and shaming employers. So what they can do there is they can contact BEIS, and they can uh, the employer who hasn't paid that debt. There's an online register um, for those, and they can also be fined in addition uh, if they don't pay that okay. sum. So there's various various sort of tools that are available too. Yeah. But uh, in my experience, most of the time. The judgment, the judgment debt is paid, uh, yeah. whether that be the exact sum or it's settled between yeah. the parties subsequently. For instance, if the employer is in financial difficulty or distress, um, so parties shouldn't be deterred by the fact that uh, they may have to issue uh, county court uh, or, or seek uh, a bailiff. Assistance. Yes, that's kind of normal. That really answers my last question, which was what happens if there's not a payment. So in terms of, you talked about they could offer you your old job back mm -hmm. doesn't apply you get a say in that because I can imagine that could be quite awkward so if it's like oh I really wouldn't want to do that it, that it can certainly be awkward yeah I mean it's it's rare so I mean some of the statistics that I've looked at less than 1% of employment tribunal claims result in what they call as reinstatement or re-engagement yeah. so re-engagement would be your employed back in your uh, old, old employer's business but not the exact role reinstatement is going back into exactly the same role yeah. for obvious reasons like you say yeah. it's awkward the parties have been in dispute for six nine twelve months um it's going to be a very difficult and awkward situation um but if it's ordered by the employment tribunal then yes employers can be compelled um to make it happen but okay. it is relatively rare and generally speaking by the time you've got to a final hearing both parties have moved on people are just looking to be compensated yeah, just, um, just and therefore yeah. it's it, it's pretty rare Okay, that's good to know. Okay, well, that's everything from, from me. I think we've got any um, more questions. I'm just going to check my notes. So <laughs> thank you for joining us in um, this episode of the um, Property Pod. As I said, it's a slightly different sort of angle for us as employment law today, but I hope you've enjoyed it and we've helped to sort of demystify um, the tri employment tribunal and some of the aspects that go sit around it. Again, if you do have any issues with employment law, please do um, contact us, visit our website. Our website's great, we've got full of great information. Um, a lot of the information that Lyde has done himself, so it's actually really quite technical and you get a lot of sort of free advice on there. 
we do have the employment portal where you can instruct us and download and do different things on there and upload documents and all that kind of thing. We're, we're getting quite advanced now digitally. So yeah, visit our website. Again, please do like um, this video if you found it helpful and subscribe. Subscribing helps us with the uh, YouTube algorithm, which is going to help this content go out to more people. Thank you for watching. See you.